Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. When Ahaz, son of Jothan, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear Yashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smouldering stumps of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let's tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says, It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, Oh, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. And then the second reading is in the New Testament from Matthew chapter 1 on page 965 of the church Bibles. Page 965. Matthew 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, was her husband, was a righteous man, 
and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, Mark, thank you so much for reading for us. Well done on that reading in Isaiah, particularly. That was a good, challenging one there. Do turn back to Isaiah chapter 7, if you would. We're going to be um, looking at that together. Uh, If we've not met, my name's Andy. As Pete said, I'll be around somewhere at the back or by the door, and I'd love to to meet you this evening. Um, We're... um, We're spending the next three Sundays looking at three of the great promises of the coming of Christ from the book of Isaiah. And uh, our aim together really is to see what those promises meant in their original context so that we can understand them and treasure them more during this uh, this period of Advent as we get ready uh, and hear the Christmas stories again uh, over Christmas. Um, Now, I'm going to pray for us as we come to this passage, and then we'll tuck into it together. So let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we pray that as we look at these verses together from the Old Testament, you would show us more of your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we see more of him... We pray that you would help us to trust every one of your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me ask you, when was the last time that you were really shaken by something? When was the last time that you felt really shaken? Uh, Perhaps it was some pressure on your Christian faith. Uh, I think I've mentioned before, but a friend of mine uh, back in London some years ago posted on her Facebook page um, support for the Christian view of marriage, and uh, the next day, one of the partners at her work called her in and asked her to explain herself and her views, and I remember talking to her afterwards and her talking about how shaken she felt by that situation, and maybe you've experienced in your life some pressure on your Christian faith. Maybe it wasn't as extreme as that, but perhaps some um, conversation with someone that left you feeling deeply shaken at the way that they responded hostilely to your Christian faith. Uh, Maybe some family situation or a relationship breakdown that has left you shaken and quivering. Uh, Perhaps the staggering moral failure of someone who you really looked up to and it's shaken your faith. Uh, Maybe the next round of redundancies is coming up at work soon, and as you think about your career prospects and finances, you're shaken. Uh, Maybe the political situation 
at the moment with an election, with Brexit, with hostility and uncertainty, and, and you feel shaken. I wonder when was the last time that you were really shaken. Here in Isaiah 7, we meet God's people and their king, Ahaz, and they are shaking with fear. Look again at verse 2 with me. Now, the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. And so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. It's a, power, a powerful image of our fear and anxiety, isn't it? To hear news that leaves you shaking literally like a leaf here in Isaiah 7. And the big question that Ahaz, the king of, of God's people in Judah, the big question that hangs over him in this chapter as he is shaken with fear is will Ahaz trust God's promises in his fear or will he turn his back on God and look to things in this world to keep him safe? As Ahaz shakes with fear, will he trust God's promises to him or will he look to human plans and policies that ignore God and trust them instead? And so the context, uh, it's 373 BC, and I know that that feels like a long time ago, but these were real people with real worries. The, um, the world superpower of the day is a nation called Assyria. And Assyria, they're big and they're bad and they're threatening. They're roughly modern-day Iraq, if you can picture that on your mental Google Maps. And they're rapidly expanding west and south towards Judah, where God's people live. And um, in between Judah and, um, uh, and Assyria, there are two nations. And uh, I've just marked them up there on a map. I don't know how well you can see that. You've got Israel to the north of Judah, and you've got Aram, or Damascus, uh, next to them, okay? So those two kingdoms are between Assyria and Judah, and they're terrified too, and so what they do is they form an alliance, Israel and Aram form an alliance, and decide they're going to invade Judah and put in place a puppet king so that together they can form a block against Assyria in the north, and um, when, um, when Ahaz hears that these two nations to the north of him are getting ready to invade, he's terrified. He's shaken. And the question is, will he trust God's promises to him or human policies and plans that ignore God's? And here in Isaiah 7, uh, we see firstly that God gives Ahaz a call to trust God's word. And then secondly, a sign that we can trust God's word. And of course, that sign is the beautiful promise of Emmanuel, God with us. And we'll get there, we'll get there, don't worry. But firstly, a call to trust God's word. Uh, look again at verse 3 with me. Verse 3, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Yashub, and meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct on the upper pool, on the road to the washerman's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood. 
because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram of the son of Remaliah. Uh, Ahaz is deeply shaken. The Lord sends Isaiah and his son to go and call him to trust God and his word. Um, Isaiah's sons, if you know the book of Isaiah, Isaiah's sons all have fantastic names that God has given them. And uh, the son here in verse 3 is no exception, Shear Yashub. Now, if you're, if you're expecting and you're sort of thinking to yourselves, oh, what, you know, what should we call the, uh, the baby? Let me commend Shear Yashub to you. At least put that on the list somewhere. Okay, Shear Yashub means... A remnant will return. A remnant will come back. Uh, You can see it there in the footnote at the bottom of the page. A remnant will return. Uh, Essentially, the name of Isaiah's child that God gave him means a small number of people will keep trusting God. And so Isaiah is sent with his son, and you can imagine him talking to Ahaz, uh, the king of Judah, and, and saying, oh yes, have you, have you met my boy? He's called um, a few people will keep trusting in God. You know, and then he looks the king in the eye, and the implicit question, are you going to be one of them? Will you trust God? God says only a few will. But the Lord says, don't be afraid. And it's, um, it's a great image, isn't it? Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. You know, here are um, the two people that Ahaz is most afraid of in the whole world. And the Lord says they're nothing more than the, um, the kind of glowing sticks that are left over at the end of bonfire night. You see, um, the creator God had promised that there would always be a king in the line of David who would rule forever in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And Ahaz, for all of his failings, is part of that line. You see, there's a promise from God. And God's message is very simple to Ahaz. God always keeps his promises. And so verse 7, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. And see why. Verse 8. The head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is, well, it's only resin. Verse 9. The head of Ephraim is Syria, and the head of Syria is, well, it's only Remaliah's son. Uh, Do you see the point? Um, The people that you fear, the, the armies, the nations at their head, standing behind them, just a man. You know, the leader of Aram, just a man, just Rezin. The leader of Ephraim, just, just a man, just Remaliah's son. And here is Ahaz who has the creator God in his corner. And so you see the Lord is saying, trust me. The people you're afraid of, just a man. And here you have the promises of the creator God. And so we get the concluding call at the end of verse 9. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And you see, here is the call of God to Ahaz. He's saying, Ahaz, your only hope is to trust in the word of the Lord, to trust that God always keeps his promises, 
to look to him to keep you safe. Uh, There's a brilliant book that came out a few years ago by Ed Welch called um, When People Are Big and God is Small. Uh, And this is really um, the heart of uh, Ahaz's problem as he shakes with fear is that people are big. Israel, uh, Aram are very big on his horizons and God. Well, Isaiah is sent to say your view of God is not big enough that actually they're just stubs of, of firewood, just, just a man, and you have the promises of the creator God. And so your only hope is to trust in his word. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And of course, the, um, the politics in this situation, they're nearly 3,000 years old, are they? These aren't, these aren't nations that we regularly hear about now. But the issues that Ahaz faces are right up to date. These are real people we're talking about. And the decision that he has to face is one that we face whenever we are shaken in life. Afraid, anxious, uncertain, Uh, We do, we live in a scary world, don't we? There are a lot of uncertainties that we face. And the decision we face is essentially the same one Ahaz did. God's promises to us, or human policies and plans that ignore God. What will we trust? Which way will we turn? I think of a friend, uh, a few years ago, who um, we met for coffee and he talked about how the next, um, the next round of redundancies were coming up where he worked. And, um, and when, I, when I asked him, oh, you know, what can I be praying for you? He said something that's, um, that stayed with me. He said, please pray that I wouldn't love money more than God. I just thought, well, that, isn't that a great thing for a Christian to pray when they're worried about their job security? Because the cynical culture that we live in says you can't trust God to provide for you. Money is the thing. Trust that. And so if you need to, um, if you need to sell out your principles to secure your job, well, do it. Do it. Uh, don't be generous with your money. Don't give it. Keep it. Save it. Spend it on yourself. When the Lord God says that he will provide for us, that he won't give us everything that we want, but he'll give us everything that we need. And so we can afford to be generous and turn out to others. And and when we feel anxious and shaken over issues of career and money, well, well, we have a decision to face, just like Ahaz's one. Who will we trust? What will we trust to keep us secure? And it's when we're shaken that we feel that decision very intensely, don't we? It's one of the reasons that we find it so hard to give, isn't it? Uh, Maybe we're terrified of missing out on life. And the culture says, go after every exotic experience you can get. Find that perfect relationship. You can do it all. And God says that there's great joy in him, in finding contentment in knowing Jesus, in serving, 
in giving up some exotic experiences to serve. And when we're, when we're, when we're terrified about the... Um, uh, when we're terrified about missing out in life, the question is, who will we listen to? Who will we trust? And here is the call. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. A call to trust God's word. Uh, but then secondly, um, the Lord um, offers Ahaz a sign that he can trust in God's word. And that's really the rest of the chapter after verse 10. Just have a look at verse 10 with me again. Uh, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. uh, See the kindness of God here. Ahaz, you're my king, my son. I want you to know that you can trust me. Ask for anything and I'll give you a sign to show you that you can trust me. And how does Ahaz respond? Verse 12, but Ahaz said, I'll not ask. I'll not put the Lord to the test. You know, it, it, I mean, it sounds very pious, doesn't it? It sounds very God-fearing. It's even, I mean, it's a quote from Deuteronomy. Hard to argue with that, isn't it? But um, the thing is, we know from 2 Kings chapter 16, one of the history books in the Bible, we know that Ahaz had already made his decision about whether to trust God or not. See, Ahaz's job as the king of Judah was basically to defend God's people and to defend God's temple. But when Ahaz heard about this threat from these two nations, he took the gold out of God's temple and he bundled it up And he took it up north to the king of Assyria. And he said to the king of Assyria, I will give you the gold if you protect me and my people from these two northern kingdoms. You see, he'd already made his decision. Just think about that for a moment. All Ahaz had to do to protect his people was pray. And Ahaz did pray, he just didn't pray to God. He went to the king of Assyria instead. Think of the betrayal of that. We can't trust God to keep us safe, so here, you keep us safe instead. And so verse 13, Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God? Also, I don't, know what, I don't know what makes you weary in life. I don't know what, what weighs a heavy burden on your shoulders and just makes you feel just tired of hearing it over and over again. But, but here the Lord is weary with hearing someone using spiritual-sounding language to justify their ungodly decisions. God offered him a sign and he said, no thanks, I, I won't listen, I don't want it because he'd already decided that the, um, the offers of the, the world, of the culture, would keep him safe and not the promises of God. And so God says, well, I'll give you a sign whether you want it or not. And this is the great sign of Emmanuel. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the footnote will tell you that means God with us. 
See, this sign, Emmanuel, God with us, will show us definitively that we can trust every one of God's promises. That's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I'll give you this sign, this miracle, and you will know that you can trust my word and my promises. Well, um, just to get our heads around this sign, um, here's something to be aware of. Um, The Bible is full of scale models of um, fulfillment of promises and and then the real thing. Um, So let me explain what I mean. Um, A friend of mine on his 17th birthday was given a toy car, okay? And uh, you might think that that's that's a pretty lame present to be given on your 17th birthday, just a little corgi car. Um, But it came with a note saying, when you pass your driving test, we'll buy you a real one of these. Okay, so you see, um, there was a promise written on the note, and in front of him, he was given a a sort of a a small-scale fulfillment of the promise, you know, a little model that looked just like the car, and, um, and as he listened to the promise, he could, um, he could uh, you know, as he struggled to, to, to believe it, he could look at the model and he could say, oh yeah, the real one is coming. It would give him confidence. And the Bible's full of this kind of thing. So just think about the, um, the sacrifices in the Old Testament that were like a sort of scale model that showed us how it would work when Jesus died for our sins in our place. Or here... Ahaz is promised a sign during his lifetime in the next few years that ultimately the big fulfillment of would come in the birth of Jesus some 700 years later. And um, uh, we... uh, And... uh, And we weren't there, so we don't know exactly what the scale model that was given to Ahaz was. Uh, Was it a literal child? Uh, Was it a a virgin who who was a virgin when the prophecy was given and then conceived and bore a child in a normal way? Or was it a miraculous child? Is it one of Isaiah's children? We just don't know exactly what the sign was. But we do see here that it points in two directions, uh, the sign is, um, is pointing towards parting ways. It's, um, it, it's a sign that, um, well, it leads to dividing paths. In verse 16, Ahaz is told, before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So do you see, before this child is um, old enough to be um, sort of legally accountable for their actions you will see that God keeps his promise to rescue those two nations, Israel and Aram. You won't have to worry about them anymore. Do you see, it's a sign that when God promises to rescue, he will keep his promise. But it's a sign that cuts in two directions because verse 17, the Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah, he will bring the king of Assyria. See, I don't know how you feel about the idea of God with us. I guess we know it from cuddly Christmas cards, don't we? Emmanuel, God with us. 
But here in Isaiah 7, it's not a particularly cuddly promise. Uh, No, it's it's a sign that points in two directions. For the one who trusts, God promises to rescue the nations you worry about. They'll be laid waste. But Ahaz, Ahaz, who rejected the Lord and his promises, well, it's a sign of judgment to him. Because before the kid's even a few years old, the king of Assyria is going to come and lay waste to the nation of Judah. The the very person that Ahaz trusted to keep him safe would be his downfall. Do you see a sign that points to rescue and to judgment? And the rest of Isaiah 7 that wasn't read for us is basically full of vivid descriptions about how awful that judgment would be. It'd be like a swarm of bees. It'd be like a famine, like flood water rising around them. Uh, Just have a look at verse 20 quickly. In that day, the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the river, the king of Assyria, to shave your head and the hair of your legs and also take your beard off. You see, it's it's a striking picture, isn't it? When you buy a razor... You buy it because it's small and easy to hold and you can shave with it, right? And the Lord says this mighty king, this king of Assyria, well, he's just like a little razor that I can pick up when I want to judge. This is the power of the creator God. But you see, here is the sign for Ahaz. Here's what it means for God to be with Ahaz. He will keep his promises to save but also to judge. And so it's a sign that, well, it's a, fork in the, it's a fork in the road, this sign, Emmanuel, because it demands a response. Who will you trust? God's promises or human plans and policies? And this first sign the the scale model, the toy car fulfillment, if you like, is one that can be a faith builder for us here this evening because we may not know the details of who the child was, but we do live the other side of God keeping this promise to send Assyria. You can read your Old Testament and you can see how God keeps every one of his promises Uh, you could jump on a train down to London and go to the British Museum and you could see all of the inscriptions and the evidence that when God said, I'm sending the king of Assyria, he really meant it. So you can go down to the British Museum and see the sign, the, the toy car version of the sign, God with us to keep every one of his promises. But of course, far more than that, we see that this is true in the, um, you know, the real car version of the uh, fulfillment, if you like. The, the great fulfillment of this promise, because that sign that a virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. Well, Matthew chapter 1 tells us of the account of the birth of Jesus. And he says that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us that a literal child was born to a real virgin at a point in history, miraculously, that that child was both fully God and fully man. That's why his birth had to be miraculous. 
He needed to be a man like us, but also God in one person. And you see, when you see the divinity of Jesus in the Gospels, you see the great sign, God with us. He keeps every one of his promises. Uh, we've been uh, reading Mark's gospel with the students this term, just like, um, just like Joe said that she did. And I've been struck again and again by the power and authority of Jesus in the accounts of his life. He does things that only God could possibly do. And if you, re- if you read one of the gospels this Advent, over the next few weeks, if you read Mark's gospel, you will see the sign that God keeps his promises because he came to earth to do that. And as you get to the end of the gospel and you see Jesus go to a cross to rescue his people from every one of our enemies, our sin, the forces of evil, anything that might keep us with being, from being with God forever, we see the sign. You can trust God's promises He came to earth to keep every one of us, uh, every one of them. But of course, the divinity of Jesus, if you take up one of the Gospels and read it, the divinity of Jesus is a fork in the road, kind of a sign for every one of us. Because Jesus warned about the reality of God's judgment more than anyone else in the Bible. With tears in his eyes, he said that if anyone rejects him, God's right anger remains on them. And so you see, what we make of Jesus, the God-man, of his words and actions, is the true fork in the road for every one of us. Emmanuel, God with us to keep every one of his promises, yes, to rescue but also to judge. And so if we want to build our faith, when we find ourselves shaken, read a gospel, look to Jesus. But as we look at him, the question for every one of us, the call will be the same one that Ahaz received. Will we trust this God to keep us safe and secure all the way to his eternal glory? Or will we turn to something else to look after us? God's promises or human plans and policies? I wonder if you can think back to the last time that you felt really shaken. Uh, There will have been a choice there. There will have been something that offered you real security in place of God. And here, the sign, a man born of a virgin, miraculously, who is both God and man, calls us, shows us that we have a God we can trust. You trust him? Let me pray.
our Lord God, we pray that as we see Jesus, you would keep us from being those who merely hear your words in the Bible and then rely on other things. Help us instead to hear your voice, to trust it and build our whole lives upon it, believing your promises and obeying your commands, and especially in those moments when we are shaken. In Jesus' name, amen.